0: So one of my big goals is to, you know, 10 years from now, to be able to have an impact on 50,000 firm leaders.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Life in Accounting. We are a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA, and your host for this podcast. Well, first, before I get into the program, I just wanted to say that I hope you're liking the new music. It was on my to-do list for a while, and honestly, it took a few listens to grow on me, but I'm really liking the new intro music for the show. We had it custom-made, and I really like the more upbeat nature. I hope you're finding it to be a little more energetic yourself as well. If you do have strong feelings either way, though, I'd love to hear from you. Please shoot me an email or leave me an audio message through the Ask Mark feature on the website. I always love getting feedback on the music or, frankly, anything else for that matter. Well, for this week, we really have a fun guest on the show, Ryan Lozanis. Ryan owns Future Firm in Canada, and I think you're really going to enjoy his story of growing this as well as a prior business, actually, based on the belief that accounting should be easier for small businesses and that the execution of those services should be easier for accountants themselves as well. He also happens to host his own podcast that he started about seven or eight months ago, the Future Firm Accounting Podcast, which I personally enjoy listening to. So I think you're really going to get a lot of value out of this episode. If you do enjoy this episode please check us out online. You can find us at whereaccountantsgo.com We have all kinds of blog articles there focused on helping you grow your career find the right job, maybe get a raise, etc, etc and then we also have links to my books 49 Tips for a Successful Accounting Career and 49 Tips for Working with a Headhunter there as well. We have a new job board and of course we have all our other 150 plus episodes at this point. All kinds of helpful career information there for you at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. Please check us out. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started. Here's Ryan Lozanis. Hey, Ryan. Welcome to
0: the show. Hey, Mark. Thanks a lot for having me.
2: No problem. Well, for the audience, I have Ryan Lozanis on the show today, and he's a unique guest for several reasons. Of course, we're going to go into Ryan's career in accounting because that's what we do. But number one, he's the first Canadian that we've had on the program, at least to my knowledge. And secondly... He's one of just a few other podcast hosts that we've had on the show, which is a little intriguing to me personally. Podcasters are definitely picking up popularity out there. And then third, he owns Future Firm, and I just love that name. So that's obviously gonna be a, quite a discussion you know, for us later on. Ryan, we've got a lot of ground to cover, but I do always like to start at the beginning so our audience gets an idea of, of how you got to where you are today and what that journey was like. What led you to initially consider accounting as a possible career in the first
0: place? So, Mark, I have to 100% blame my father for that, actually. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so he was a business owner, a small business owner in Montreal, Canada, and he had a printing shop and he had some very, very good years and he had some very bad years as well. And I think one thing that he knew, I think he saw at a young age that I wanted to be a business owner myself and if you get to an older age and you've been running the same kind of business all your life and you fall into some sort of difficulties, you want some sort of fallback plan and I think he always pushed the idea of having a professional title, something that you could always fall back on when push comes to shove and that's one thing that he really advocated and I look up to him in a lot of different ways, especially in the business world and I took his advice there. That I always wanted to run my own business from a young age. And I felt that accounting would lend itself well to that. You know, accounting is the backbone of a business in many ways. And that's one of the reasons why I went into accounting in the first place.
2: Interesting. Okay. I guess just so I understand correctly, was accounting the fallback plan, or was it that accounting is just a great background for any business you're going to go into?
0: I think a little bit of both. And I think when you're going through university, you're not even really sure what you want to do in life a lot of times. You know, I think when, you know, I did my bachelor's at McGill University and I did it in political science and I was interested in politics and I went into political science, but what was I going to do with that afterwards? And I think when I looked at, I wanted to run my own business and when push comes to shove down the road, if I wanted some kind of fallback plan, I found that accounting best suited both of the things that I was looking to achieve.
2: Okay, deal. Yeah, actually, we have a little bit in common there. My father was a CPA, practiced accounting, and he wanted me to become an accountant because you could always, quote, hang out your shingle. You could always start your own business. And so, yeah, it was sort of of a similar thing, a fallback plan, (laughs) job security.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's always a demand for accountants and CPAs out there. So I think it was a good thing to go into that field of study.
2: Okay, Okay. So what were your first few jobs in accounting like? Was the first one that Rheinblatt and Company or were there Yeah,
0: so ones? so that was my first accounting job and that was a small firm here in Montreal. There was about five people working there. So two partners, the family owned firm, two partners, there was a receptionist, a bookkeeper, and myself. And when I was looking for my first accounting job, when I was I mentioned to you I studied political science. Then I, after that, I decided to just go into accounting. And as I was studying for accounting, I wanted a a job in accounting on the side as well. And I never applied to any of the big four. I never went to any of the cocktails that they would have here, the recruitment cocktails. I think I actually hit the phone book and looked for smaller firms and called smaller firms to see if they were hiring. And I forgot exactly how I got this job, but I know there was one of my friends that knew one of the partners there. And I had one interview there when I was hired, and I really wanted to see the full cycle of a small business when I was working in a firm. I didn't want to do just work in on the inventory part of the business and audit, let's say. I wanted to really see the full cycle, and that's why I targeted small firms from the get-go.
2: Okay. Okay. And you sound like you feel like it paid off, that you got some good experience through that, huh?
0: I definitely got a different kind of experience. You know, I'm not a technical CPA. I think I definitely didn't get a lot of that kind of skill set from working at one of those firms, but I think I got more of an entrepreneurial sense. And I was able to see the A to Z and how to deal with clients and really just deal with small businesses. And I think that translated well to later parts in my career in accounting. So I'm certainly happy with my decision to you know, spend a good chunk of time at a smaller CPA firm.
2: Okay. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that because I think particularly earlier in our careers. And when we're a student, you have a tendency to think that an internship at a big firm or, you know, getting that first job with a big firm is the only way to go. And for some people, they look at it as, or I'll settle for a job in big industry. And really it's, that's not the case. You know, there's a lot of great places to get experience. And I love what you said about just picking up the phone book.
0: Yes, that, that, that's a bit of an old school way of looking for a job, but I forget what year that was, but it it was still a way of looking for jobs at that time. So I don't think many listeners would follow that strategy today.
2: Yeah, yeah. a little different, but you're definitely a man of action. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm not sure if there were milestones during that time with Ryan Black because you were there for for several years and then Mm -hmm. pretty soon after that started Zen Accounting. So take us through that time to Zen Accounting. I mean, what were some of the things that you learned and what were the milestones that led up to you starting Zen?
0: Yeah, so I think Rheinblatt & Company, I was very comfortable, again, handling basic accounting services for small businesses. I did enough of the files. I saw enough of what the process was supposed to look like. I was pretty comfortable with that. And then when I received my CPA title, I went into industry briefly. I only lasted about six months. It really wasn't the type of job for me. I really found it very repetitive. I was an assistant controller at a medical company and I found it very repetitive. I, after like months three, I felt like I had almost learned everything and I did not want to climb the ladder. I did not want to be a controller. I did not want to be a CFO like that just wasn't the future for me. So going back to what I said earlier, I always wanted to start a business. I just didn't know what kind of business I wanted to start. So my experience, for the most part, came from Rheinblatt & Company. I was comfortable with that kind of work, but the business model did not really jive with me. And actually, when I left Rheinblatt & Company, I actually threw out all my accounting and tax textbooks. I really thought that I'd never go back into public practice. I was going into industry and that's where my career was going to be heading. So I never really thought I'd go back into public practice. But when I was thinking about ideas to start a business, I couldn't escape the fact that most of my experience came from public practice. So at the time, I looked at the model and I decided I wanted to try and create something a little bit different in Canada, something that didn't really exist at the time and something that was more in tune with the digital age. And that was to create a more online model. So when I started my firm Zen Accounting in 2013, it was the purpose of modernizing the traditional accounting firm and making accounting services easier and less painful for business owners, small business owners in the digital age. So it was really around that kind of mindset about changing the way accounting services were delivered in the country. So I don't know if that specifically answers your question, Mark, but certainly when I left Rheinblatt & Company, I went into industry. And six months there, and I knew it just wasn't the direction for me, and I spent time determining what kind of business I wanted to start, and it really brought me back to, I had experience in the public practice, but I wanted to provide a more modern experience to business owners, basically. So that's kind of how it got started.
2: How'd you get your first client?
0: So, very good question. I had no idea what I was doing when I first started the firm. Absolutely no clue. I had zero clients, didn't know how I was going to get any through into the door. And I figured the best way was to try and drum up business would be to just hit the local networking event. And I was going to all kinds of networking events. But actually, the first networking event that I ever went to, you know, was an early morning one. I think it was at a 6 or 6.30 in the morning networking event. Barely had a formulated business idea at that point. It was quite vague still. And the first, first person that I encountered at that networking event asked me what I did. And I basically said, I help offer online accounting services or something like that. And I use these kind of apps. And the guy said, oh, do you use Zero, The cloud accounting system Xero. And I said, sure, I could use Zero. He's like, okay, come to my office and let's chat. And I remember going to his office and had a pad of paper and scribbling things down and really had no idea what I was doing yet. And ended up signing that client. And I remember I didn't know what I was walking into when I started the business. I was prepared to go. I was mentally preparing myself to say, you know what, if you don't have a business, if you don't have a client in the first few months, it's not a problem. Don't stress too much. I was ready to go six months without a client, let's say. And that was like really the first networking meeting that I went to. I, it was the first person I spoke with. And, you know, it was a great start. And I remember the first time I got a check in the mail. I was like, wow, I'm getting paid for this. This is amazing. So it was a good start, let's say. I was very happy with the way it started.
2: (laughs) Just to clarify, had you ever seen Zero at that point?
0: I had seen Zero, I had tested Zero out, but. I was really learning the ropes at that point too. Everything I was doing was learning the ropes, so it didn't make a difference what system I was gonna I was gonna be on at that point. And that's how I kind of started my relationship with Zero as well, because it was heavily it was a big part of the firm.
2: <laughs> I love it. Do you Zero, sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, I'd heard of Zero, right? Most people had not heard of Zero at that point, you know. So I think sometimes they say you just have to take a jump. So so that's what I did.
2: Good deal. I'm curious because we talked just a little bit briefly prior to this, so I'm getting to know you at the same time. Are you sort of a risk taker kind of individual? Because I'm thinking you have no job, but you're starting this business totally from scratch. Yes. I'm going to go show up at a networking event and hope I can yes. get a customer. Are you just? I guess that. I mean, that comfortable
0: with <laughs> taking risks. Am I a risk taker? probably I am. I mean, I don't know where I am on the spectrum, but I mean, and we'll get into this a little bit later on, but I'm taking a risk right now because now I have a new business venture and I also started again from scratch. So that's a risk when you had an established business and you decided to sell that business and move into something else. So you know what, sometimes you just have to follow your gut. So I think that's what I do a lot of times is just say, you know what, there's a calculated risk. I'm in a time in my life where I'm able to do this. When I started my business, I was 28, 29. I'm 36 now. So I had started the firm about six, seven years ago. So it was a good time to kind of say, you know what, like, let's go all in. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I still have my CPA title and I could head to any accounting firm, basically. So I took a calculated risk and it ended up working out.
2: Okay. Okay. Well, and you have a great point. You know, you have your CPA license. You're right. You could go pretty much anywhere. So what's the downside? And that's the
0: fallback. Yeah, that's the fallback plan that we were talking about earlier.
2: There you go. Okay. Well, since you already alluded to it, yeah, let's go through, I guess, the milestones yeah. with buildings in. And I am intrigued because you sold it only five years later. Mm-hmm. So I have, yep. I'm curious about the decision-making process there. Yeah. You know. So yeah, let's go through that time period.
0: Sure. So when I started, it was a one-man show. I just started with an idea to try and make accounting easier for small business owners. It was really that concept. It was not about Providing a financial statement and a tax return. It was providing a curated experience to make it easy and automated and pain-free. So that's what I had in my mind when I started out, and I didn't know if it would work because I remember, you know, when I quit my job, I told my boss at the time. He said, "Oh, what are you going to do?" I said, "I'm going to start an online firm and I'm going to meet clients on Skype and we're going to do everything online using cloud accounting software." He's like, "That's never going to work. People need to see their accountant in person." So it was really just an idea and. When I was going to these different networking events, there's some people that got it and there's some people that really didn't get it. And the people that got it generally were the younger business owners in the tech space. And that's where I kind of built my niche was really among tech startups. They were comfortable with technology. They were comfortable doing things online. And there was good demand for that because there was really nobody in the country offering that kind of service at the time. So I was able to get a good foothold and a good reputation early on. Because I was really a first mover. So ended up hiring. My first employee, within six months, I was never super strong on the accounting, technical and tax end of things. And actually, I really disliked that stuff. So my first hire was a more experienced EPA, a tax profile, basically. And again, that was a whole learning experience for me because I'd never managed anyone. I'd never hired anyone. I didn't know anything about the HR aspect of things. So everything I was doing was I was really learning it from scratch and teaching myself and reading a lot of books. Made a ton of mistakes early on. And, you know, those were obviously good learning experiences, but ended up growing the team. So services were provided across Canada. We had an office in Montreal, physical office, where we'd all come to the office. The team was growing and at around five or six people in the team, we started seeing that there was, you know, attracting talent was always a difficult thing. We were starting to get resumes from people outside of the city. So they said, you know, we're already offering all these services virtually to our clients. Why not bring people on board in different parts of the country? So, started moving more to a distributed model where the team was really spread out across Canada. And by the end of it, I think we were about 15 people on the team and we were really from coast to coast. So, you know, in about five years, the team went from one to 15 people. And at about that time, we were getting approached by a number of different firms that were interested in entering into the cloud accounting space. And that really got my mind thinking about, hmm. I never went into this business to sell it. It was really never even a thought. You know, I just yeah. thought that I would maybe do this for the rest of my life. At that moment, when I started getting approached by firms, that said, okay, well, maybe there's something else I want to do. Do I want to continue with this or do I want to work on other projects, let's say? So that was a very, very tough decision for me. It was one of the hardest decisions of my life to just really say, okay, what do I want next? And what do I want to do with my life? And I really had a big internal battle for felt like months and months and months about do I do it? Do I not do it? And ended up finding a really good partner uh, by the name of Equium. They're actually based in Europe. They're based in the Isle of Man, actually. And there are about 800 people on the team and really great people there. And what was important for me is if I was going to sell the firm that there would be that the model would continue itself, that it would not turn into that traditional type approach has been done for the last few decades, but it would continue on the path of innovation and, you know, offering services online and automation and technology enabled and all that kind of stuff. And they really got that and they were very comfortable kind of leaving that model in place. And at the end of 2018, I decided to pull the trigger and, you know, the firm was acquired in November 2018. So a lot kind of led up to that point. You might want to dive into some areas here, but that was kind of the progression of Zen accounting all the way through to acquisition.
2: Okay. Wow. I'm picturing, too, frankly, at your age, in making the decision to sell and and what you're going to do next, (laughs) if you're not going to do that specifically, I'm sure that was a major decision. I'm sure there was some kind of non-compete discussion, you know, Mm -hmm. in there as well. Yeah. Wow. And I guess what amazes me too is we're talking about the end of two thousand eighteen and you started Future Firm in two thousand nineteen, so you didn't go yep. travel the world or anything. You didn't
0: <laughs> <laughs> So so the acquisition happened end of two thousand eighteen and well what was important for me and it was important for them was to ensure continuity of the business. So then accounting's still going strong. It has such a great team in place. Like I've never worked at a company where It was just such a good atmosphere. Even though everything was virtual, I just thought it was such a great team. I certainly leaving people out to drive clients for the team was not anything even close to on my mind. So I really had my eyes set on a good transition. And it was about a one-year transition from acquisition all the way to when I pretty much fully exited the firm. So let's say September 30th, 2019 was my last official day at Zen Accounting. So I did not travel the world. I did take a trip. I went away for a few weeks. I went to the Middle East for the first time after the transition was complete and just kind of cleared my head and went into the desert and no cell phone reception and all that kind of stuff. That's how I disconnect best. So I did take a little bit of time off, but yes, I certainly kind of did jump into another project pretty quickly.
2: Okay. For those individuals that are earlier in their career like you yep. and they are entrepreneurial you know maybe they're building something you know for them to yep. learn from your experience i mean what what lessons did you learn going through that is there anything you know now that you've built something and sold it if you were to turn back time and do something different regarding building it in the first place would you have done anything differently to position it better that kind of thing yeah. or is there anything that sort of accidentally Went really well, <laughs> you know that. Yeah, you're sure glad you well, did it that way.
0: I think it was the right place, right time kind of thing, right? Because okay. the idea I had was create a more modern service offering that was cloud based, that was more virtual, that was based on subscription model pricing, all the kind of concepts that are very popular today and there are certain, certainly trends today, but really didn't exist when I started the firm. So you know, it was really I had these ideas, but if I was maybe Two years earlier, would it have worked? Maybe not. So I think it was really the right place at the right time for those kind of ideas. So there was certainly some luck involved. I don't think I would have done anything differently, though. I certainly had. It was certainly at some times a very stressful experience. And I'm a high intensity kind of person and I do get stressed out relatively easily. But Some of the lessons that I went through and some of the things I had to go through, they were very challenging and difficult, but it really helped shape me as a professional and it really helped shape me as an entrepreneur. So I'm happy I went through those things. So there's really nothing I would have done differently. I'm happy that I was able to start a model from scratch. Like Some people, when they're looking to start a firm, they say, you know what, I need revenues day one and I'm going to go acquire a practice but I want to create a modern model. So I'm going to acquire a traditional practice and I'm going to maybe try to convert it over. And the other clients, the new clients I bring on board, they're going to be on a completely different model. Like that doesn't really work well, in my opinion. You can make it work, but I had the luxury of starting with a blank slate. So I could really make it my own kind of thing and only accept the clients that would fit that kind of model and only put processes in place for one kind of approach. And I was able to standardize things quite well. And I think that's how I was able to grow it to about 15 people in a relatively short period of time. So I'm very happy with the way that it all worked out. Yes, it was challenging. Yes, it was difficult and stressful at times, but I wouldn't have done anything differently. Okay. I'm
2: just curious because it was... Relatively small firm, you know, <laughs> yep. In the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. that last year before sale, were, were you still involved in client service, or had you? Had I mean, you transitioned out of that a while back, or? Uh huh. I
0: mm-hmm. had built myself out of that aspect of things relatively early on, just because that wasn't my. I'm good at managing relationships, but in terms of like actual client work, like actually doing a tax return and actually engaging in tax planning and any of that kind of stuff like that a practitioner would do, that's really not my cup of tea. I don't enjoy it. I'm not great at it. But I really built myself out of that pretty early on.
2: Okay. Okay. All right. Gosh, I it, I could ask you questions about that all day. There's <laughs> so many different roads we could go down. I want to make sure we get to some of the other stuff, though. Mm-hmm. So actually, there's an idea for a follow-up episode right there. <laughs> We could, anytime, Mark. (laughs) Let's talk about what you're doing now, though, Future Firm. I love the names, very descriptive. I like business names where immediately you can tell what it's about. So great job naming it. Thank you very much. Where where do you see it going, or what's your ultimate goal for this? Have you even had time to think about it?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I have. I mean, what I'm looking to do, what Future Firm does is it provides resources to other firm owners to help them modernize. And, you know, I remember when I started my firm, I had no one to go to. I was on my own. Like all the resources that I found were very traditional. They didn't speak to the more modern models. You know, if I wanted to do online marketing for my firm, if I wanted to like attract and manage and retain a remote workforce, if I wanted to help put a more standardized, scalable model in place, all of these things I had nowhere to turn to, and I certainly couldn't turn to a professional body. So I was a little bit one of the other reasons that I started Zen accounting was because I think I was a bit frustrated with how services were being delivered, and I wanted to help move the needle forward a bit. And that's, you know, when I was thinking about going through the acquisition in the first place, I had to boil things down to my purpose to see what I wanted to do next. And my purpose is really to help advance the profession. And that's what I'm trying to do with future firm is work with other firms out there to help them go through their modernization journey. So there's a few ways that I'm doing that at the moment. At the moment, I'm doing with a select group of firms, one-to-one mentoring. And I'm already capped out at the amount of firms that I'm working working with right now. The other thing I really like doing is I really discovered a passion for marketing and digital marketing. And that's one of the ways on how I grew Zen Accounting. I discovered the power of blogging and content marketing. And I grew the firm basically through Google organically. And I really enjoyed that. And I'm applying those kind of principles to Future Firm and to develop content, whether it be through a blog, whether it be through a newsletter, whether it be through a podcast, to help educate other firm owners and to provide them with advice and practical information on how to adopt a more modern model. So I'm really enjoying that. So one of my big goals is to, 10 years from now, to be able to have an impact on 50,000 firm leaders. So one of the ways I do that is I help educate certain firm leaders and firm owners on a weekly newsletter. And in this weekly newsletter, I basically curate the top five pieces of content that firm leaders should know about to help modernize their firm. It could be news happening in the industry. It could be practical information and advice on how to implement a certain process in your business. I'm scanning through all the news and content and articles and YouTube videos in the accounting space each week to find the top five best things that I shoot off in a brief email to these individuals. And that's one of the ways on how I'm helping impact their business. And just a bit of a shameless plug here, Mark, if anyone's interested in that email, they can go to www.futurefirm.co slash top five. So these are just a few ways on how I'm helping educate and helping provide resources to firm leaders that are looking to modernize their own firms.
2: Wow. You've got a lot on your plate. And you have a podcast as well, which yep. I <laughs> I'm a little jealous. Um,
0: <laughs> why is that? <laughs> so you have hundred and fifty plus episodes here, so you know, I'm the one looking up to you. I'm only uh, at ten or twelve episodes now, so I have a long way to go, Marks.
2: You've had Will Buckley from Zero. You had someone from Botkeeper. And I've had a few guests from Botkeeper myself, but my one of my actually I shouldn't say one of probably my Favorite podcast yes. host Ron
0: Baker from Soul of Enterprise.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm just like yeah. you started out with heavy hitters. It's amazing.
0: He's a good one. Yeah, thank you very much. And he had a big impact on my firm. Actually, you know what? The one thing about Ron Baker is he's incredibly generous with his time. And even when I was a young firm owner, when I just started out. You know, he'll answer your emails and he'll provide advice. You know, he'll he'll get back to you. He's a very busy guy. So, you know, I've always appreciated that. And his book was maybe the biggest impact. You know, that one book had a huge impact on my firm. So, yeah, he was great to have as a guest. And the podcast is something that I'm still finding the format. But again, I'm trying to deliver content to firm owners that help them. with I'm trying to provide them with practical information and nuggets that can help them improve and modernize their firm.
2: Okay. I'm curious, just from the practical earning mm-hmm. a living standpoint, I understand yep. how you make money on one-to-one mentoring you yep. know, for firms. You're developing digital resources. Is there a light at the end of the tunnel there for that to help supplement your living eventually as well?
0: Yeah, or- I think... Sorry to cut you off there. No. You know, Certainly, the one-to-one mentoring is something that's easy to understand in terms of a business model. I think I'm not... In a huge rush at the moment to what I'm doing is I'm developing a brand at the moment and I'm developing a audience uh, through primarily the newsletter, which is a fantastic tool. And I wish I would have actually started a newsletter years ago, because if you can get in front of a group of people each and every week. You know That's great from a branding perspective. And you know when you have other products and services that you're ready to roll out that are maybe a little bit more developed, people are a little bit more engaged and interested in, in perhaps buying those services or products. So there's a few ideas I have that I haven't fully developed yet, so I don't want to discuss those specifically. But I think a priority for me right now is just making sure that I'm providing the most valuable content out there for firm leaders to help improve their own firms and to help modernize their firms and really just work th- work on that before I roll out other products and services.
2: Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, I do want to make sure we have enough time for the final three questions because I end every podcast with mm-hmm. the same three questions to give us some consistency. Last thing before that, though, if everything goes exactly the way you'd like, <laughs> yeah. what does success look like for you and future firms? down the road several years, five years, 10 years, wherever that success would be. What does that look like? What's your ideal goal? Yeah.
0: I mean, I think ultimately I'm interested in the concept of, I think a lot of firm owners, they work a lot of hours and they work really hard. And, you know, work is really the only thing that you ever think about. And certainly that was my experience for a chunk of the time. When I was running Zen Accounting, I wasn't doing the 90-hour work weeks some of the other accountants do. I had a relatively normal work schedule, but the work is intense. And I think when I started Future Firm it was about me taking a step back and saying, how do I create a business that's maybe more lifestyle oriented? And that's one concept that I'm very interested in is maybe not taking on hundreds of clients, maybe I'm taking a, a select group of clients and maybe developing more passive income streams on the side and having something that has a little bit more flexibility around it. And that's a concept that I'm very interested in. And the other concept I'm actually becoming a lot more interested in is the concept of maybe more minimalism and how much is enough. Because we always have the idea we have to just grow and grow and grow and be bigger and add more staff and add more clients. And when I started Zen Accounting, that was certainly the thought process. And then I took a step back and said, is that really what I want to do? And, you know, so success for me in this new business, future firm, is really not about, you know, having a 100 person team, but it's actually going to be about staying small, staying nimble, having the freedom and flexibility to kind of uh, work wherever I want to work, whenever I want to work, and ultimately down the road, my wife is Indonesian and her whole family is there, and I love visiting the country. So, you know, I'd love to be able to escape the cold Montreal winters for a couple months a year and you know work from that part of the world in order to have that because it's on the the time zone is a twelve hour difference. You have to have a model that revolves on a lot more flexibility than what I had previously. So that's really success for me is just making sure that I have business that I'm enjoying each and every single day, that things small and nimble and providing myself with a good lifestyle for enough that supports me basically.
2: That's that's a great outlook. And wow, I mean, you just, you have an amazing story I've started doing this, I've done this a couple times with podcast guests, come back a year later, a year and a half, just to revisit, and, and you're someone we'll definitely have to catch up with here in another year or two. And I'd I'll, love to. I'll be, yeah, but I'll have to schedule something around Indonesian time, obviously. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see I don't know down, if I'll but. be there
0: yet, but it's certainly in the five-year plan, let's say. That's awesome. That's awesome.
2: Well, I do end every podcast with the same three questions, and so I'd probably better get to those looking at the clock here. The first one's usually the easiest. From a career perspective, what has been your proudest moment?
0: Certainly the acquisition. To see that you've built something that has value, enough value that someone else would want to buy it, it just validates everything. So, like, I started with an idea, I started with nothing, I had no experience, basically, I didn't know what I was doing, and I built it up an, into a model that had enough value that someone wanted to buy it. And to this day, it's functioning, like it's functioning well. So like it just shows that I put something in place that was valuable. So I think that's definitely my proudest moment.
2: It didn't surprise me at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, second question, tell us about a lesson that you learned the hard way. And the more you can tell us about the situation,
0: the better, because that's how we learn. A lesson I've learned the hard way. <laughs> You're putting me on the spot here, Mark.
2: Or a mistake you've made and sort of what you learned from it. Yeah, I've I've made
0: made a lot of mistakes. I'm just trying to pinpoint. I'd like to be specific, but I think early on, I probably, a big value for me is staying humble. And I probably didn't stay true to that in the very early days of Zen accounting you know, if I'm going to be hiring someone like I'm the boss and whatever I say goes kind of thing. And very, very early on, I realized that's not how it works. And, uh, you know, I had to kind of like think a little bit more introspectively about how I deal with people and how I deal with certain situations and not pointing the finger and assigning blame first and kind of looking at myself and seeing if there's things that I could do to improve the situation before I blame others. I don't have a specific situation that comes to mind, but I think Early on, when I was a young business owner with little experience, that probably could have applied those values a little bit better. Sure. Sure.
2: Yeah, that's a lesson, a management lesson that we all sort of have to learn. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely.
2: It's very transparent of you to share that. Thank you. Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What's the best piece of advice that you have ever received?
0: Probably from my father, like when you're going through certain forks in the road, Sometimes overthinking things, it's not going to help. And sometimes you just have to trust your gut and you you just have to jump in one direction or the other. And you'll find out if you made the right move or not. And that's kind of what I did when I sold my business. Is this the thing I need to be doing? Is this the thing I should be doing? And you could weigh the pros and cons as much as possible. But at a certain point, you just have to trust your gut and pull the trigger.
2: (laughs) Your father really was an entrepreneur. (laughs) Makes Makes a lot of sense. Well, before we say goodbye, let's repeat. What's the best way to find you online or what's the best way to contact you?
0: Yeah, the best way to stay in touch with me is really signing up to my weekly email. So once again, you can go to www.futurefirm.co slash top five. That's five, like the number five. And, um, you know, it's me sending the email every week, every Tuesday morning. If you write, if you respond to the email, if you have a question, I get back to you. So I'm constantly engaging with my readers that way. And that's really the best place to stay in touch with me.
2: Beautiful. It sounds like you're doing a lot of good things for the profession. And thank you very much. I really appreciate you taking the time for this.
0: Well, thanks a lot for having me on the show, Mark.
1: Well, hey, that was our interview with Ryan Lazanis, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Some of the takeaways that I got from our discussion with Ryan is, first of all, just how calm Ryan sounds. He's really at peace with himself and the career that he's built and that he is building. And then secondly, I guess building on that, he's not done. I'm really curious where he's going to be in two years, three years, five years, or even 20 years down the road. He's a really interesting guy, and he thinks outside the box. And so I'm really looking forward to following up with him later on. You can tell he really enjoys the life and the career he's building for himself. If you found value in this episode, like I mentioned, please check us out online as well. You can find us at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. And don't forget, you can leave us feedback or ask any question you would like in your own voice using the Ask Mark recorder on the website. It's at whereaccountantsgo.com and simply click on Ask Mark up in the top menu bar. Well, thank you again for joining us. I'm Mark Goldman, your host for Life in Accounting, and we will see everyone next week. There's more to come.